0: Consensus Network.
1: I think the most powerful way to understand Bitcoin is to actually to be able to experience it and to use it. And that's what's great about Fountain. You know, you can go from never have you heard about Bitcoin, just being interested in podcasts. One of your friends says to you, hey, download Fountain, you can earn some Bitcoin for listening. You go and listen to a podcast, you earn some Bitcoin, you're like, okay, what can I do with this? I can either tip other people on the platform by sending them sats with likes, I can go and support a podcast. Send them a boost. And finally, you can see that, like, this is not just a, an asset that you have to hold on to forever and huddle. Like, it's actually something that works as money.
0: Welcome back to the Freedom Footprint Show, a Bitcoin philosophy show with Knuts von Holm and me, Luke the Pseudofin. Today we welcome Nick Malster, co-founder of Fountain, a value-for-value podcasting app powered by the Lightning Network. Today we take a peek behind the scenes at Fountain, how it all started and all the exciting things coming in the future for creators and listeners. We discuss Podcasting 2.0, modern content industries versus value-for-value, the future of monetization, and more. And what a better episode to remind you that the best way to support the show is to send us a boost or stream us some sats using a value for value podcasting app. If you listen to this show as a podcast, check it out on fountain. You can earn sats from listening to your favorite shows and you can show your support through value for value. So check out fountain today. And before we dive in, we have an announcement. We're hosting a live stream celebration for Bitcoin infinity day, 2023, which is also the podcast's first birthday on August 21st, 821. We'll be streaming live from 4pm to 8pm CET. That's 10am to 2pm EST. We have a boating accident load of guests. You won't want to miss it. We'll be streaming from the Consensus Network YouTube channel and our Twitter page. Be sure to follow those so you don't miss it. Bitcoin is for everyone and Bitcoin Infinity Day is a celebration of Bitcoin's infinite potential. So we hope you join us for the stream and that you celebrate it somehow in your own way. Finally, we want to thank today's sponsors. Wasabi Wallet, Orange Pill app, and Bitcoinbook.shop. All their information is in the description. We'll be talking a little bit more about them later. And now, without further ado, here is Nick Malster on the Freedom Footprint Show. Nick, welcome to the Freedom Footprint Show. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks a lot for having you having me on, guys. Oh, how can we do that again? I just messed up on the first
2: line. <laughs> well, go ahead. I mean, <laughs> just say it again then. <laughs> You know we're keeping all of this in, right? No, <laughs> oh, no, no. Don't do this to me, guys.
1: <laughs>
2: Nick, <laughs> welcome to the Freedom Popprint Show. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks a lot for having me on, guys. Yeah, good to have you here, Nick. You're from Fountain app. Indeed. Yeah, so I'm the co-founder of Fountain. For those of you that don't know, it's a podcast app powered by the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Uh, it adopts the value for value ethos, whereby... If we receive um, value from what we're listening to, we can send some value back and Bitcoin is the perfect way to enable that.
2: Yeah, Fountain app is fantastic. We've, we've both been using it for uh, quite some time now and uh, recently we started collaborating even further with uh, the Freedom Footprint show in Fountain and we really, we're, we're really pumped about the whole value for value movement. So, uh, can you give us a um, short background on yourself and on Fountain, and maybe on the um, we can get into the juicy stuff about uh, value for value and what it enables and where where it's headed? After that,
1: sure, yeah. So, I'm based in London. Me and my co-founder Oscar, we actually went to school together. We've known each other a long time, and um, we both had different backgrounds. You know, he was uh, in tech and consultancy. He had his own app studio um, before starting Fountain, making voice apps for Alexa, et cetera. And I was in advertising and then uh, sort of client-side brand marketing at Nike, Adidas, uh, big companies like that. And it was really in lockdown where, you know, I guess we'd always said that we wanted to do something together. We just didn't have the right idea at the right time. And we got lucky really. Um, In lockdown, we started meeting up and talking about this new side project he'd been working on. Which was not a podcast app. Bitcoin was not a part of the experience at all. Uh, It it was an app where you could just share, essentially, you know, short voice notes and share them with other people and that kind of thing. So we, yeah, we we were both really passionate about podcasts and always, always had been. And it was around that time where we were just watching what was happening with podcasting 2.0. You know, the launch of Podcast Index, the value value specification. And for us, it just seemed like a no brainer, you know, actually being able to use an existing library of content versus having to build up our own, just made total sense. Um, and then using payments, um, using Bitcoin to, to power that experience and, and, and show support and be able to drive discovery, um, just, just made total sense. But yeah, I guess back then this was maybe 2020, early 2021 value for value was, and you know, still is very early. Um, so we were, I guess, at the forefront of that. You know, right behind Adam and uh, the other apps that were excitedly integrating this new specification into their products. And um, yeah, it's come along a whole way since.
2: Yeah. So so uh, how how does the, um, the wh- how does the curve the user new users curve look like for Fountain? Like, what what does it look like? Um, are you growing exponentially? What's going on? Or is it organic? Or how does the, what does the future have installed in terms of users?
1: Yeah, well, we think value for value uh, is a concept that can really challenge the mainstream because we look at the monetization models of the internet uh, at large, the different apps, streaming services in particular, they're not serving the creators or the listeners. So we do believe there's a lot of potential uh, long-term to, to capture mass market at the beginning, of course, it was, you know, small, humble beginnings. Uh user numbers are small. It was really just people with a niche interest in Bitcoin or the technology uh, surrounding it that makes this stuff possible, who are I guess just experimenting uh, and figuring out the edges of this thing. And so yeah, at the beginning it was just a handful of podcasters, a handful of listeners. And um yeah, it's grown in momentum. I think the, the inflection point for us was was last summer because I guess we just we had yeah, we, we took a risk of actually saying, you know, value for value can work works the other way around as well. It doesn't have to be just the listener supporting the creator to return the value. And um, we recognize that actually the listeners provide a lot of value as well, um, because on Fountain you can send a boost and other people then see that in their feed and they're like, okay, cool. I, I'm going to go and check out what Canoo's been listening to <laughs> and go and listen to that episode. And, uh, you know, if you've helped me discover a podcast, I might want to tip you and say, Hey, thanks. Or if you've made a clip and, uh, and, you know, guided me to a really great part of a podcast you've been listening to again, same thing. And so yeah, giving the listener the incentive or the ability to be able to earn as well through the app was, was a game changer. And the other thing we did there was listen mm-hmm. to earn. So you can earn stats simply by listening to podcasts. So yeah, that was the inflection point for us. We saw, saw really strong growth from that point and um, we continue to see strong growth today. There's definitely you know, some barriers um, that we're trying to break down, not you know, ourselves, but as a community of builders. You know, We can't do this alone. This is, a, this is an open ecosystem of developers. And that's the great thing about Bitcoin is that you have apps that can finally talk to each other and share information. And we have to work th- together to essentially tackle the big powers of Spotify and Apple who have been running the show so far. So yeah, I, I suppose, like in terms of what the barriers are, I guess that the main thing is, is is the RSS feed. That's a huge barrier. It's it's obviously been an amazing protocol to build on over the years, and it's been part of the success of podcasting's proliferation and mainstream adoption. But again, this is really why podcasting 2.0, you know, Adam and Dave's projects really built momentum is because, know, yeah, they realized that RSS specification was was outdated and it wasn't supporting. Uh, new features that could work in an interoperable way uh, across different apps uh different devices. So yeah, I think the challenge is that a lot of these new features that have come about through podcasting 2.0, like chapters and transcripts and, and these types of things, you know, they have to be supported by the hosts, the podcast hosts. And, you know, Fountain is not a podcast host ourselves. We We cannot publish RSS feeds. You... Launch your podcast on another platform like rss.com or blueberry or Buzzsprout, uh, even Anchor. And um, yeah, we ingest your feed. You can claim your show and then we're a tool, really. But, you know, unless the the podcaster has the ability to be able to control their RSS feed and, uh, and add things like chapters, et cetera, the experience is going to be limited. So that's one thing. And uh, I suppose the other thing too is just, um, is is the Bitcoin aspect? <laughs> you know, we we um we are Bitcoiners ourselves, so we we know and understand this world really well, and and a lot of the uh, users we have currently are Bitcoiners. Uh, they, they already have sat in a Lightning wallet somewhere. They can pop up really easily. You know, the value to value concept or theory just makes sense to them, and you know they can already support a lot of their favorite Bitcoin podcasts because those were the early pioneers or the early adopters. I guess really the challenge is to ha- how do we, how do we open the aperture and let more people in? And I think that if you first download an app and the first thing you see is the word sats everywhere, you're like, what's going on? So I think that's the other thing too, is just uh, trying to, trying to make things more accessible, still using Bitcoin as the payment rail that provides the the, the experience, but um, making it, um, yeah, I guess more welcoming. So for non Bitcoin. All
2: right. So, so, um, how is the 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 price of Bitcoin connected to how many users you onboard? I mean, I mean, you haven't really seen a ten x bull market yet since you started. But what are you what are you expecting from that? And like, how how does that relate to the number of users Fountain has?
1: Yeah, this is a question I always get asked. Um... You know what the inflection point i spoke about last summer when we launched listen to earn and the incentive for the users for listeners to be able to earn sats at that pro at that point you know price of bitcoin was up up and up and uh, there was really great momentum and you know the only news stories about bitcoin were positive ones and there was a lot of optimism of course we know there's always optimism but people are just part the price of bitcoin uh get sidetracked um so when we launched out i think yeah that definitely st- helped us out quite a lot because it was at the right time, you know, for Bitcoin price going up, people feeling really excited about, about the wealth generation opportunities more than anything else. But yeah, I mean, even in this bull market, you know, we, we, we haven't seen uh, a huge tail off in users, you know, there's, there's still been interest. And I think that, I, I suppose that, you know, when... Uh, well, when Bitcoin's at a lower price compared to the dollar, you know, the sats you're sending to the podcast are cheaper. <laughs> Actually, we see, we see more support in a bull market because sats are more precious when hey, the, the, the dollar uh, b- uh, b- valuation is high. Um, but yeah, it remains to be seen. You know, I think if we get into the territory of like, 10x
2: growth, I think we'll, we'll see something amazing. Yeah, but I guess there's like things that are adjacent to Bitcoin and aren't Bitcoin itself uh or more like uh fountain is an app for first and foremost for bitcoiners who are all already there already orange spilled and already using the lightning network i guess so uh, as you say when when the price drops uh found found the number of fountain users doesn't necessarily drop with it then then again in in a bull run more more real Bitcoiners are created in every bull run. So, so we'll just have to wait and see that. And, and yeah, I, yeah what, what I'm so excited about about a potential bull run, I mean, I'm even arguably even more excited for a bear market because that means cheaper sets. But when the bull market eventually ensues and we've used this bear market to build all this. Synergies between all these companies, like the, it feels like this bear market has really opened up the idea that Bitcoin companies have everything to gain from collaborating and not just competing with one another, but finding these synergies. And I see it everywhere. Like consensus is connected to so many other things in Bitcoin at this point, uh, including Fountain, of course. And and uh, I bet you see a lot of that too. And uh, like, yeah. There's a lot to look forward to if you have skin in the game. For sure. I, I think you know one of the other great gifts of this bear market
1: has been nonstop. This is when these things get built. You know, And this is the time where these types of protocols you know, can be used to, to drive progress through developers and, and, and work together. And I think that's one thing that we're really excited about too. Uh, because you know, that, I think that's the, the great thing about building on protocols is that you have apps that can talk to each other. You know, if a uh a listener on another podcasting two app like Castomatic who sent a boost uh on Castomatic, that boost also appears in Fountain because we're able to see, you know, the the recipient in the value blocks, We we can bring that over to Fountain and we can show the comment there. And um I think what we are missing now is like the replies. So you actually interact across the different apps too. And I think what you'll see from most fairly soon, maybe even by the time this podcast is out, is uh more integrations with Noster, uh, which allow us to have interactivity across different apps, and that that's really exciting. You know cross app comments is, has never been solved. And you know even if you look at a platform like Spotify, they themselves don't have a comment system. I guess maybe they're too afraid of you know the moderation considerations of you know free speech and everything like that. But you know finally being able to have you know no you know wall gardens and just have conversations regardless of which app you're listening on being able to talk to listeners on another app and interact together. That's that's really exciting.
2: So what other things could be potentially be protocols instead of programs? Like, where are we going with this thing? Have you thought about that?
1: Well, I I suppose, you know, the the, the three, uh, the two most important ones for us right now are RSS and and Lightning, you know, and those two in combination, just uh, it makes complete sense. Uh, NOSTA being the other one that we're going to be starting to lead into a little bit more. Um, Yeah, who knows what comes down the line? But I think for us, you know, it's really important. Like I said before, collaboration is is key to this. You know, this is a big challenge we have on our hands to like take value for value mainstream, and we have to work together. And the best way to work together is by building interoperable tech or building on top of interoperable tech. Today's show is brought to you by our sponsors.
0: First up, Orange Pill App. Stack friends who stack sats, meet like-minded Bitcoiners near you, and help speed up hyper-Bitcoinization with Orange Pill App. Bitcoin isn't an online-only phenomenon, and Orange Pill App helps facilitate the social layer, connecting Bitcoiners in their local area. It maintains your privacy through the whole process. And since you have to pay to access the app, you know that everyone there cares about Bitcoin and is high signal. A great new feature is events. You can create events and meetups right from the Orange Pill App. And help build your local community while maintaining the Bitcoin-only signal. Orange Peel app is available on iOS and Android. Download now. Next up, Wasabi Wallet. An open-source, non-custodial desktop wallet that is trustless, easy to use, and affordable. It has CoinJoin built-in to facilitate your privacy. Every Bitcoin transaction leaves a clear footprint, but with Wasabi, you can make sure that others can't track your steps and threaten your sovereignty. Just send your coins to Wasabi Wallet, wait, and your coins will be private on the other end. It's open source, trustless by design, and non-custodial. You have full control over your keys. Check it out now at wasabiwallet.io. Luke, do you have a
2: question for Nick?
0: Sure. Uh, Maybe can you take us through a little bit of uh, your Bitcoin journey and how you got to understand the value of Bitcoin and, and the in the
2: value
1: for value? Yeah. So I guess the first time I heard about Bitcoin was fairly late in Bitcoin standards. It was around 2017. I think it must have been my co-founder, Oscar, who was saying to me, hey, we checked out Bitcoin. And I'm like, yeah, what's that? <laughs> I, I only really saw it as a, yeah, I guess, you know, magic internet money. Um, something that has some intermin- indeterminable value in the future. I, didn't, I wasn't interested in the, um, yeah, the, the monetary philosophy behind it. Um, and, and that stayed, you know, that it remained that way for a long time. And then we got to, yeah, some of the bull markets in sort of, yeah, the late, uh, so just before 2020 and my interest peaked. And I was like, maybe I should be paying attention to this and uh, started speaking to a little bit more to Oscar about this. He lent me a, a book. Uh, the Bitcoin standard, and that was really the thing for me which ignited my journey. Uh, I read the whole thing back to back when I was on holiday, and finally, I realized that you know this is not just crypto token; this is actually um a whole philosophy, and actually you can see how yeah, once you can fix the money, you can fix the world and it's really exciting now to to consider myself a Bitcoiner as well because it's just an access to a completely um New community that I didn't have before. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was funny because like I bought my first Bitcoin in, I think it must have been 2020. And either later on that year or early the following year, I started a Bitcoin company. So it happened really quickly. So, you know, we all have so much learning to do, but like I had a lot to do really quickly because I had a responsibility to
2: be able to, uh, to deliver something of value to Bitcoin. but that's that's fantastic. I hear that that type of story more and more that people just you know discover it and instantly get it and start working on something. Uh, I think that's becoming more and more common, and uh, that might be because it the information about it is more accessible now, and it's more obvious that the other crypto tokens quote unquote true crypto tokens are just shit uh, so uh. So I think once you see it, you can't unsee it. There's no un orange filling people. It's, it, it's a one-way, one-way thing for sure.
1: I think, I think the most powerful way to understand Bitcoin is to actually to be able to experience it and to use it. Uh, and that's what's great about Fountain. You, know? you can go from, never have you heard about Bitcoin, just be interested in podcasts. One of your friends says to you, hey, download Fountain, you can earn some Bitcoin for listening. You go and listen to a podcast, you add some Bitcoin, you're like, okay, what can I do with this? I can either tip other people on the platform by sending them sats with likes, I can go and support a podcast, send them a boost. And finally, you can see that like this is not just a, an asset that you have to hold on to forever and huddle. Like it's actually something that works as money. And, you know, it's not something you can only spend on, um, you know, the dark net. The dark web is something that you can use, you know, thousands of apps around the world already today and transact with it in ways that were never before possible. You know, like once you've, for me, like seeing money being streamed from one person to another in real time was a game changer. And then when I realized actually, I'm not streaming money to one person. If I'm streaming money to a podcast, I'm sending money to the host, their co host, their guests, maybe like you know, RHF fund, open SATS, maybe even some of their listeners. So there's a whole uh, plethora of different people that I'm s- broadcasting this money out to. And you, you look at that and you're like, wow, I mean, Fiat can't
2: do that. No, no, this is, this is like, uh, one way to look at it is uh, electronics as the, compared to just electrics. It's like w- whenever the logic gate was created, the whole new World was opened up, and we could create computers and stuff. And I see that now we have truth gates, just like we have a a way of constructing absolutely true uh, logic gates. <laughs> <laughs> With where people can, you know, the, it's akin to a plumbing system. Even the streams of sets going. Uh, uh, who knows where what we will build. Uh, when we have that, I, I think we just barely scratched the surface of what this thing can do in the, in the long run. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think literally music is a really good example. Um, Fountain doesn't have full support for music yet, but it will do soon. So you'll be able to, uh, any music that's been added to an RSS feed, uh, you'll be able to find it in Fountain. It'll be labeled a track or a, an album. Uh, and obviously you can stream stats and boost stats to, to the artist as well. Now, if you look at the way Spotify works, their royalty system, um, it's, it's opaque. No one really understands how it works. You know, The listener just knows they're paying $10 a month to Spotify. And then whatever Spotify do with their money, that's kind of up to them. But you don't know how much of it goes to the artist. I believe it's around two thirds uh, goes to the artists, But it's not necessarily the artist that you listen to. It gets put into a centralized pot for each country. And depending on, you know, it's a pro rata system, the total number of streams in that country, the money is then divided across all those artists. So that it means that in the UK, even if you weren't listening to Taylor Swift, like some of your money's going to Taylor Swift, like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why can't it be direct? Why can't the money that I'm sending go directly to the artist I'm listening to? I think SoundCloud do this slightly differently. They actually split the royalties based on the artists you listen to if you're paying a premium subscription. But this is where value for value comes in because you know it's it's a out the box you know uh, digital musical uh, royalty system that it, it works. You know you can so you can split money to the label, to the distributor, to the lead singer, to the drummer, to the bassist. Everyone gets
2: their share and uh, it, it's totally transparent. Yeah. Bitcoin doesn't incentivize, uh, rent seeking. It does the opposite. It enables us to go directly to the source. Because when you say two thirds go to the artist, that means two thirds goes to the record or the, 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 label. the yeah, the, 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 uh, the, the bank disguised as a record label that gave the artist who thought they were going to get world famous when they were 18 a, a shitty loan uh, to promote them. And uh, so, so that's where most of the money goes, I guess. But this is, yeah, it's a completely different beast. And, uh, I think when you look at these things historically about how, how uh, artists and, um, uh, the likes of artists, uh, the authors, for instance, uh, or if filmmakers, how they were financed, I, I think the 20th century is really is the anomaly. And whatever came before, whatever is coming after is going to be more similar to what came before the ninth, uh, the 20th century, because it was only during the 20th century that you could make a profit from selling copies of stuff. And uh, value for value is more like, Oh, I heard this song you wrote. I can s- instantly stream you sets. That's a much more, uh, much fairer way because there's no, so you, uh, most of the 20th century, there were physical things involved, like uh LPs or CDs or stuff, which weren't really, like, you weren't really buying the thing, you were buying the intellectual thing that was on the thing. And whenever computers took over, that whole, the necessity for stuff goes away. So you're left with this. Strange world where copyright laws don't really make any sense anymore because intellectual property is bullshit anyway, and it's uh, Bitcoin has so, sort of illuminated that fact further. Uh, and yeah, looking forward to uh, to what's going to happen to all these, especially to the rent seekers, because they're not they, they don't have a business model any longer. Uh, if you if you try to predict the future twenty years down the line here who's going to need a record label? Like, you could need a manager to, to you know, but, but that would be more akin to a secretary or something, like more, more like what people had in the, in the 50s and 60s than, than whatever abomination the record label came to be in the late uh, 20th century.
1: For sure. I mean, it, it returns, you know, sovereignty and independence to the creator. Which is which has been missing, and I think that you know, if you look at creators, let's like look at a podcaster for example. They're really beholden to, um, you know, the people that are propping up their their business model, which is usually advertisers. And um, there's nothing wrong with advertising per se. It's just uh, the indirect flow of money means that you know the podcaster is receiving money from the advertiser, um, and the listener gets it for free. But is it really free? If you have to pay with your time and attention and you know, giving the, the creators the ability to be able to say, actually, yeah, I'm not going to have advertising. I'm just going to re- rely solely on my listeners and make that value exchange direct. It simplifies it, but it also means that you're not having to you know, censor yourself or uh, moderate your own content based on what the advertiser wants to see or what your sponsor wants to see.
2: Yeah. And the uh, important point to make there is that this is not binary. I mean, you could do a bit of both and there's nothing wrong with that. So you could choose to sure. just, just advertise a few companies that you really, really like and then do the rest value. But uh, I mean, the, the, the point being that the, the artist or the podcaster has a, a lot more options of how to finance whatever they do, especially if number go up.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, talking of numbers go up, I think that's, um, you know, value for value still hasn't proven uh, itself to be able to replace the money that advertising generates. Um, we're still early in that respect. You know, we need to be able to make it easier for people to uh, to onboard to apps like Fountain to get started. There's there's a whole load of things barriers we need to break down, um, but we believe that it will get there in the future. And I think that as well that I think there's a way. You know, a lot another monetization tool that's used by creators as well as subscriptions, which makes sense because as a creator, you have a recurring income. You are guaranteed that, okay, I've got 200 supporters. I'm getting $5 from each of them this month. Great. Right, I've got $1,000 every month and you can rely on that. And as a creator, you have fixed costs. You've got to pay for your hosting. You've got to pay for your studio rent, whatever those costs are. The value for value is it goes up, up and down. It really depends on, on, on the support that's pledged that week. So yeah, that's also something we're interested in too. And is there a way that we can do value for value in a way, uh, sorry, subscriptions in a way that is within the value for value ethos? Because if you look at something like Patreon, it inherently actually devalues the art the creator makes because it says what it says to the creator is if you want to charge $5 or $10 a month to your audience, you have to do an ask me anything. You have to do behind the scenes content. You have to manage a Discord channel. You have to do all this extra stuff. And it's almost like you're trying to justify the cost. What if the listener just wants to be able to support you because they love you and they want to help you grow and help you reach more listeners? Isn't, isn't that enough? So um, yeah, that, that, that's going to be really interesting to see because I think that yeah, Patreon are kind of taking creators for a ride there. You end up getting so distracted by this additional stuff you have to do that you your focus gets taken away on just... Creating value for your audience, which is really your pr- primary purpose.
2: Absolutely, um, but I think that this the, the the value for value part of um, the total sum of money that goes to artists and podcasters will will grow as Bitcoin grows. Because like when when you become Orange Pill, uh, like the first when you first buy Bitcoin, you buy a little, uh, and and then you think or earn Bitcoin, you. You start small and then you become obsessed and addicted. And like the first thing you say is like uh, you, you hear this um, uh, advice that you should never have more than you are willing to lose. But that flips and turns on its head. Like you shouldn't keep more fiat than you're willing to lose because you're absolutely going to lose it. Like there's no way of not losing it. But with the Bitcoin, it's the other way around. So so as as Bitcoiners mindset shifts. I, I think that's going to shift their mindset around the value for value thing too, because it's so closely related. What are your thoughts around that?
1: I, I suppose um kind of go back to what I said before is like seeing seeing Bitcoin as something that you can give and receive. Yeah. It's it's not something you have to hold on to forever. It's it's a uh, yeah, it has utility as money. And um I think that the narrative, I suppose in the broader crypto space is that Crypto is something that you you hold just to be able to get rich, and um, I think that we're we're slowly breaking down the idea as this ecosystem of products and services built is built on top of it. And of course, here you'll have your equivalent of your savings account for Bitcoin, and you'll have the equivalent of your current account for Bitcoin. And uh, I think it's when people start to get more comfortable with having a current account effectively for their Bitcoin, which they're going to spend and use, um,
2: that that's when this thing takes off. Spend and replace comes to mind, That that's the mindset you should have because you shouldn't really dilute your stack. That's a very good point to hodling as well. Uh, But uh, as long as you spend and replace, you're fine. What is it that our friend Peter Donworth says? If you have one Satoshi more uh, this year than last year, you're a winner. Like, obviously. (laughs) So that's that's your goal. Just have one more Satoshi each year and you're, you're fine. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, and,
1: you know, the the way we actually got the name fountain, apart from being, you know, fountain of knowledge and wisdom, et cetera, is, is also just because a fountain is a a circular system. And it's the idea that you can give sats away, but you're going to receive some the next day. Um, you know, it's a, it's a model that just keeps going round and round. And, you know, your balance can replenish itself by supporting, but then also curating and sharing content, getting tips from there, you know, it's uh, it's it's a, an economy in its own self, and I think that's what's really cool about it.
2: Absolutely, Luke, are you thinking of something? Yeah, I. <laughs> My questions come down to a little bit of the the
0: technical side, pulling a little bit of the the I don't know mask off or something like that. Uh, I I do the the production uh, for for free info print and for consensus generally, and uh, I, I I have really liked that kind of recently. There's there's been a focus on uh, building up the tools for for uh, podcast creators. Um, maybe can you, can you walk us through a little bit about uh, some of the things you have? I know you, you've mentioned some of them, but some of the, the things you you have coming to, well, just in, enhance Fountain, what's, what's on the roadmap?
1: Yeah, I think the, the top priority for us uh, really is giving the creators the amazing experience because um, I think to, so far we've been very focused on attracting listeners and Fountain going out to a listener who's very fickle, and needs a really good reason to stop using Spotify, us telling them that is not gonna carry the same weight as the podcaster saying, hey guys, come and listen to my podcast on Fountain, support me there, help me grow my show, help me build the community, like engage with other fans. If they can deliver that message, it's so much more powerful. Um, so we're investing a lot in, yeah, more kind of tools and technology that can help the creator um, give them what they need to be able to uh, start talking to their listeners about value for value. And start to really monitor and measure the impact that value for value has on you know their download numbers, but the engagement, but also their income. So we have a dashboard launching soon uh, on web, which is gonna, I suppose, is the first step towards uh, giving creators the same type of control you'd expect from a dashboard uh, on something like Patreon or even something like Twitter. You know where you can manage your inbox and reply to people, and so so that functionality is coming really soon. We're also beyond that, just doing a quite a major UX and UI overhaul. Um, it's been much needed. It's like, uh, a lot of the stuff we've been, uh, doing to date has just been designed very quickly in Sigma ourselves, or it's been designed in development, uh, just because we, we want to get stuff out there quickly. We want to iterate, want to get feedback and just really see what sticks. And we think we've got something that's starting to work here now. And it's, it's the time to, to really start polishing it. I guess that if you look at Fountain, we've, we kind of draw inspiration from three different sources. You've got fundamentally, we're, we're a podcast app. Now, there's obviously loads of music streaming players, podcast players out there that have invested millions into, you know, research, design, development. We don't have to reinvent the wheel there. We just have to deliver the same standard, if not better than the others. And then the other thing is the social layer. And like we've seen yesterday, you know, threads just went and ripped off Twitter. Like you don't have to reinvent the wheel; these things work already. Um, and then the final thing is the, you know, the wallet, which is you know, there's every all of us really use wallets as Bitcoiners, but banking apps, everyone everyone uses those. So it's about trying to really blend those three things together into um, yeah, in, in the best way possible. It just makes complete sense so that even someone with no Bitcoin experience can just pick it up and be like, right, I know I'm not doing here. I, I get the idea of this app. Um, so that's another thing. Um, And then, yeah, I think the other thing too is just, um, focusing on, um, you know, adopting more of these podcasting 2.0 features and really showing like what they can do. Um, there's a really interesting conversation happening at the moment in podcasting 2.0 around value time splits, which is obviously with a podcast, you, this value enabled, you can have a split. Like I mentioned before, you can direct payments to, you know, the, the show host, the guests, the listeners and how this works is with the it's like a dynamic split. So that, let's say if you were playing a podcast episode and you wanted to include a piece of music, which was part of an open library, library on RSS, and when you switched over to that song, the, the splits would actually change as well. So anyone streaming sats to the podcast episode or sending a boost while that song's playing, the money goes to the artist. Um, and that's, that's really powerful. Uh, it, it it gives you the ability to essentially create like a a radio show whereby you, as you're listening you're supporting each of the artists that are played, um, so so that's really cool. Um, things like that we're we're going to be focusing
2: on a lot, like the opposite of a CBC, CBDC. Uh, like it has the same programmability but for each and every user and no one can stop it. <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah, get on Fountain Kids. I mean. Uh Fountain and uh, other value for value platforms and consensus and Noster, Uh We are the rebels, and Apple, Amazon, Spotify, uh, whatever. They are the galactic empire, and the Zaps are the photon torpedoes aimed at the Death Star's thermal exhaust port. So, so this is this is how we get there. We ne- we have to remember that we're a small resistance uh, guerrilla group. That are fighting the biggest forces in the world here, Uh, but it's a fun fight to fight, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, and there's there's always new forces at play. I mean, obviously, another one of the big forces is the app stores, and as we've seen recently, um, a lot of conversation around zaps and whether they should be, you know, permitted by Apple. Um, You know, that that, that's another interesting thing that's going to be playing out quite soon uh, because. Ultimately, the app stores are seeing, um, this new model emerge and they're thinking, well, where's our cut? And, um, so yeah, there's, there's so many, so many challenges and, and blockers to this. And that's why we have to work together.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's a tricky one because we're, we've become so dependent on these app stores, like the app store and Google Play Store first and foremost, but, but we shouldn't be like software should be. Available to all, like it, it's just code, it's just numbers. Uh, so, so I guess we we need to, uh, you know, put our money where our mouths are. Uh, even when it comes to app stores, if if Apple is deciding on on uh, banning zaps for a long time, well, don't use Apple products. Then it's easier to say than do because a lot of people do only Apple, but this is like. The free market needs to play out here and we, we need to choose, choose ethically. Like, what well, what kind of future do we want? Do we want for ourselves? Do we want one where we are in control or do we want these giant conglomerates that can be, you know, yeah. influenced by politicians? Uh, do we want them to win or do we want the, the rebels to win?
1: Yeah, I, I think I really do think that value for value is like, it's like a plant that's always going to grow to find the light, find the sun. You know, there's going to be these um, challenges that, that things are trying to trip us up, but we'll find a way, you know, um, that, that, there's ways around these things.
2: Absolutely. And we're building them all the time. And um, yeah, Orange Pill App, for, for instance, you can zap people there now and, uh, and, and whenever you make connections with Bitcoiners in real life, you can just, I mean, you can just have, uh, if you both have a lightning wallet, you can zap one another. Like it's, it's that simple. It's just these apps are, are just helping that, that re- uh, future become a reality. And as you say, I think it's an astral flower too. Like the, it's, it is unstoppable, because the idea is so much better than the old world ideas, like the clown world ideas. This makes way
0: more sense. The show is also sponsored by BitcoinBook.Shop, the Bitcoin-only bookstore by Consensus Network. Consensus specializes in translations of Bitcoin books and also publishes original titles in English and many other languages. Check out BitcoinBook.Shop for all your Bitcoin book needs. Consensus is always looking for new contributors, whether you have a book you want to publish, you want to help translate books into your native language, or you have some other way you want to get involved. So if you want to help spread the Bitcoin message, reach out to Consensus Network by Twitter or email. Details are in the show notes. Hey, uh, Nick, do you have anything else to add? Anything else um, you'd like
1: to say about Fountain, value for value, anything? No, I don't think so. Um, I guess just if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, maybe think about downloading Fountain. (laughs) Go to fountain.fm and uh, download the app. Uh, load it up with some sats, listen to podcasts and some stats and support this show. Um yeah, you know, I think, you know, these guys are already on Fountain using it regularly. Uh you can send a boost. Uh Luke and canute will see the boost. They'll respond to the boost. It's a great way to to get direct access to them. Uh which is something you, you can't do on these other apps. And um so yeah, check it out and uh yeah, keep a keep an eye out for some of the updates that are coming out in the next couple of months. There's some really exciting stuff.
2: Yeah, we we certainly will. Uh, Our eyes are peeled, or whatever the expression is. Excellent. Well, I think with that, uh, thanks
0: for coming on the Freedom Footprint Show, Nick. It's been great to hear more about yourself and about Fountain. And uh, yeah, just echo all the same things. Fountain has been great for us and a great user experience. So yeah, check it out if you haven't already. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks again, Nick. Thank you. What did you think of our conversation with Nick? It was great to hear about everything going on at Fountain, and it's definitely our favorite Valley for Value podcasting app. Let us know what you thought about this episode. You can send us a boostagram on Fountain, leave us a comment on YouTube, or get in touch on Nostra or Twitter. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like the episode and subscribe to the Consensus Network channel. Our show's sponsors are Wasabi Wallet, Orangeville App, and BitcoinBook.shop. Use code footprint at bitcoinbook.shop for 10% off your purchase. Don't forget that Bitcoin Infinity Day is coming up. We're streaming live on August 21st from 4pm to 8pm CET. Hope to see you there. That's all for now. See you next time and thanks for listening.